0: Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, Chris Kirk here at Wild Blue Aircraft Sales, along with Todd Mitten, and uh, good to have you joining us today for uh, Into the Blue number three. We want to talk a little bit about aircraft ownership and some of our experiences of owning an airplane, some of the good, some of the bad. some of the things that you can expect, and, uh, you know, if uh, if you have something different that you'd like to share with us, we'd love to hear it, but Todd, uh, again, glad to have you here with us, and uh, I know that you've been a, an airplane owner multiple times, uh, I'm just curious, I'm not even sure
1: I know the story, but uh, what was the first airplane you ever bought? Well, it was just, I, uh, I bought into a partnership, and I know we want to cover a, uh, not only ownership, but Other aspects of of how you have access to an airplane whether it's a partnership like I'll talk about or or a flying club or renting or uh, borrowing an airplane for that matter as well as owning but uh, I bought uh, into a a guy had a, a Piper Cherokee 180 seemed like the right airplane for me because I was looking ahead toward teaching my son how to fly and so a Cherokee 180 is an airplane with some good capability, but also simple to operate. So uh, that's how I initially got into uh, aircraft ownership. And that was back uh, probably in 2013, I think, something like that. Okay.
0: And you've been part of uh, clubs or not? I know you've rented. Yeah,
1: yes. I, uh, I have uh, been, I learned to flying in a flying club, and we talked about that where uh, and that was back in the days when uh, probably flying clubs clubs were a little more robust than they've been in recent years. I know that some of the aviation organizations, such as AOPA, are are really in the last few years pushing the concept of clubs again, and I think that's a valuable idea and a smart idea. But but yeah, back in the early '80s, I learned in the what's called the Flying Country Club in uh, Moline, Illinois, oh. and uh, at that time, boy, they had a bunch of airplanes including three Cessna 150s to choose from that were your basic trainers. Of course, that's what I used them. I moved up to the heavy metal of a 152 and then the ultra-heavy metal of a 172 eventually. Before sure. I left the Quad Cities and moved on to college. Was that... So that was more of a... <clears throat> did you have to buy
0: into that club, like an equity club, or was it a... Uh, you know, you just paid dues?
1: Yeah, I think... And, of course, uh, flying clubs offer a lot of different angles. It can be... Uh, ownership of just six or eight or ten guys, g- gals, that have equity in an aircraft. Uh, this was more of a flying club that uh, you paid a buy-in, and then you paid monthly dues, whether you flew or not. And I want to say that at the time, too, it uh, to have access to the higher-level airplanes to get up maybe into an Arrow or the Centurion or whatever that they had, you had to pay a higher dues level if you were okay. going to be in those aircraft, and of course, as a as as we've discussed, I was an eating utensil cleansing engineer and a high school student, so I didn't have a lot of extra cash. I was just happy to be at the lowest level the club would allow me to be at to fly. Right. Were you in a flying club at all? Yeah, you were, yeah, well, yeah, here, one yeah, of flying cloud, yeah. or cloud one. I'm sorry, not flying
0: cloud. That's an airport. Uh, <laughs> cloud one uh, here in Kansas City, but uh, and it worked out pretty good. It was. Um, it was an equity club, so we owned each of us owned a share. We had to buy or sell our shares, and then we still were charged a uh, we charged ourselves a monthly fee for fixed expenses, and then we charged ourselves an hourly fee. Uh, and we had 18 members on two airplanes, and it, it actually worked out it worked out very well for what it was very very inexpensive way to fly. You know, that's one of the questions we get a lot is from uh, from new folks is you know, when does it make sense for me to be in a certain ownership situation, a partnership or owning the airplane on your own or, you know, being in a club or just renting, uh, you know, when, what, when, when should I look at moving from one to the other? And, you know, so I'm curious, when, when you decided to go into that partnership, what, what told you, hey, it's, it's now time to move from you mentioned your son learning to fly. Was that the only thing, that was a, other... that
1: was a big part of it, and a desire to get uh, more back to my roots of general aviation. I I've always loved general aviation. We talked about that, and I I wanted to just get back into it. I had a real desire to enjoy the freedom, the sense of freedom that that I get out of uh, of general aviation, and so I moved in it for that reason. I think it was just a combination of, of several, and this was also at, at, up at Midwest National Airport, an airport pretty close to my house. That's a Golf Papa Hotel for uh, listeners who are not familiar with the Kansas City area, and it's a, uh, uh, it was a real easy access to this airplane. It just all made sense. It was a number of things that came together, and the, and the, the buy-in price was not that bad, but this was a pure partnership that I was in, so it wasn't a Flying Club, we actually had a third guy, so there were three of us in a flying mm. or in a in a partnership, and and I think it's worth discussing partnerships for a minute here. Uh, you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, yeah. and I'll say I was in a good partnership. Uh, we had a we had a great relationship. We just shared maintenance costs. We we probably undercharged for the airplane. Well, I know we undercharged for the airplane in terms of hourly operating costs, but then when we had to do maintenance, we just wrote an extra check uh, to, to cover those costs. I would probably do it differently in the future. I think in a, in a partnership, and I know you've explored partnerships quite a bit, Chris, but I think the smart way probably to do a partnership is to make sure that you charge on an hourly basis what it's going to cost you to operate that airplane and we we then just kept the aircraft full of fuel so it was easy to uh, you know it was always full so so you, you paid for the gas out of your own pocket but the hourly rate of other items maintenance and, and uh, oil and whatever else it may be uh, uh, looking ahead to insurance an annual those costs how how in a partnership do you think it's best to cover though? Well, there's a
0: hundred ways to skin the cat. Uh, did you guys operate as uh, kind of just a handshake agreement, or did you have like a structured, you know, uh, corporation that you know had bylaws we, and everything we else? We had
1: an LLC, but it was a, truthfully it was a lot more of a handshake agreement. I went into this a little bit blind, and and as I say, fortunately it worked out fine. The original owner of the aircraft, uh, he sold his share eventually to another individual. That's a whole other story that, that I could tell you. Now, luckily, that individual uh, was turned out to be a great guy. So there were still three of us in the partnership, and we never had an issue. But uh, you need to have a plan in a partnership on how the partnership should either sunset or, or if someone wants to exit the partnership but others want to come in, you know, do yep. the other do the other partners get to vet the new guy or right. new gal, and that's huge. We didn't. It kind of happened, but frankly, it all it all turned out for the best. The original owner actually has since passed away, but uh, the the three of us that owned that airplane until we sold it uh, remain friends. You know, there was always it was just a good group of guys. I was fortunate to to have that because it was a little bit of blind luck in that. I would say. I would encourage, if you are considering going down the road of a partnership to uh, read online, uh, there's there's a lot of examples of good and bad. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like you
0: guys did really well. I, I, I've heard the horror stories from some that don't. Maybe it's because you all knew each other and you had just three of you. You know, in the club that I was in, we had 18 of us, and, and you really couldn't operate with 18 people that way because some people fly a lot, some people never fly. Uh, bless those people because they're the ones that really are subsidizing the club. Yes. But uh, you know you you aren't going to have that intimate knowledge of everybody, uh, especially when it comes time to shell out money for upgrades or for assessments that may need, need may need to be done and that kind of thing. So you got to get into them very carefully. And you absolutely you you hit a key point there. You've absolutely got to vet these people. I know some clubs will do uh they'll do background checks. They'll pull credit scores. You know, they'll do any number of things to get an idea of what they're getting into with this person so that you don't end up with a deadbeat on the rolls uh, because then it's it's very hard to get rid of that person uh, especially if you don't have a, a, ways, you know, a way you already got set up to do it. We had a way to get rid of those people and, and most of the time uh, it was just simply a, a, a matter of you know those people just having a bad point in their lives and they couldn't afford it or something um, but we had a way to get money back into the club and and make the club whole again after we sold their
1: share. And we are kind of talking partnerships and clubs almost interchangeably because there is a level there where where you could make it interchangeable. You might, though, just be in a partnership with just two people. It just reduces your overall costs, and and many people do not fly their airplane. Most people don't fly their airplane three or 400 hours a year, but the airplane could be operated like that, so... Uh, you know, that's partnerships make sense to to reduce it down to the level the the number of hours you fly per year to reduce that down to the level you need it, but the airplane is still available for somebody else. A club it, it can vary in so many different aspects. It can it can be a very large, almost a rental style with a little bit of a discount. Right? Do you agree? Yeah, sure. sure. Big cities have that. Well, we've right? got a couple here that are like that. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. I I was thinking even like, I mean, I, I remember one time being out at Denver Centennial Airport out there. My, oh, my, the club, those of you that are listening in the Denver area probably know that's just a, a huge flying club. And and so I don't know that type of club is almost more of a a, a rental situation versus what you were involved, which is 18, limited to 18 people and uh, a little more intimate knowledge of each person right. flying the airplane. You know, and yeah, we had stars. to buy in yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We all paid.
0: You you could sell your partnership for whatever you could get out of it. Um, I think most of the time they ran, you know, four or five, six thousand bucks a piece, somewhere in there. So,
1: I mean, I guess we could we could briefly touch on renting. You know, we uh, we kind of see five ways to have access to an airplane. Uh, uh, maybe. Ownership would be obvious. We've talked about partnership. We talked about clubs. Renting is another way, and, and finally, borrowing an airplane. But maybe briefly, we should touch on on aircraft rental, the ups and downs of, of what that sure. is. And, and and to me, the the upside is, you know, you don't have to worry as about anything to do with the airplane other than going out, pre-signing it up, and going out and and pre flighting it, and going out and flying. And if you're flying world consists of, of just very local kind of flying out for a couple hours and back, renting might be the way to go.
0: Yeah, it is. And especially if you're new and you're, you're just you're getting your feet wet, you're trying to figure out, you know, do I, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to do anything with it? Is this going to be the $100 hamburger run? Is it going to be a career? Is it going to be something for my business, something for my family? You know, so renting definitely makes a lot of sense. Of course, the challenges with renting are um, it's it's harder in renting to get plugged into that aviation community sometimes because you don't have any vested interest in the airplane. You're not just out there hanging out at the airport meeting other owners who are like-minded and, and just really enjoying that camaraderie. Uh, the other side of it is, is man, there's some you don't know what you're getting in the rental fleet. There's some really nice airplanes out there, and then you got the others. Yes. And so you just, you know, I, I know before I've taken my family in some rental airplanes, and we've been between airplanes, and, you know, my wife looks at it, and she goes, we don't fly that thing? You know, and uh, it might be mechanically sound, but uh, generally speaking, rail fleets are not too concerned about the cosmetics.
1: And scheduling is another aspect of it, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's, of course, you're... And I've heard a lot of stories... You know, recent times uh, where aviation training has started to pick back up, uh, people are unable to schedule an airplane because they're just in in constant rental use, and that's a challenge if you just want to go out, particularly if you're waiting just on a nice day, you're kind of a fair-weather flyer, and you're you're like, oh, we finally got a beautiful day. I think I'll call and see if the airplane is available this afternoon. No, it's not available, unfortunately. So uh, renting to me is if if you can it's also more expensive to be honest uh, uh on a per hour basis obviously you're not responsible for the uh maintenance and and the upkeep and so on of the airplane but boy oh, boy you're there's a lot of penalty to be paid for relieving that duty when you say yeah that. yeah there
0: is you know it's it's it just depends on the situation that you're in it's it's different, you know, renting is often kind of like, uh, kind of like the club and kind of like the partnership because of what you're paying into it. You know, you're you're still being charged, uh, but like you said, Todd, it's it's going to be a higher hourly rate. Um, you don't have that satisfaction of owning the airplane. Uh, it kind of becomes like the rental car thing. You know, you drive it as hard as you can because you know you're turning it in at the end of the day. Uh, and so there, there's just some challenges there. Uh, You know, to get one of the white elephants out of the room, though, people often ask us, you know, what what point should I buy? And and let's just, unless you're using the airplane for business, uh, there's generally no point that it makes sense or or there's any justification to own an airplane, okay? Rarely does that happen. So if you're trying to get to that point, it's like perfectionism. You're never going to get there, so just give up on that idea. Uh, It's just like it doesn't make any sense, and there's no justification for spending $150 to go play a round of golf. You're doing it because you enjoy it. You're doing it because it, it uh, brings you some sense of satisfaction, gets you out of the house, makes you you know challenges you maybe. Uh, lots of other residual items there,
1: but um, you know, oh, but you make a good point. Do we do? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't tell anybody. It makes sense outside of a business purpose, and 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 we'll get to own you know, but we'll tell you why it's worth owning an airplane if, if to. to yeah. Oh, I will tell you. Well, uh, yeah, you, what is that? You, I hear it. I don't hear you're it. saying, man, uh, and uh, to me, the satisfaction of, of owning an aircraft, I mean, uh, first of all, just the availability. I know who flew it last. I know where it is. Isn't I, it nice to get in your airplane yeah. and the seat's in the same place it was
0: last time <laughs> you were there?
1: <laughs> yes, I knew that guy. And he left <laughs> his headset there yeah. for me. Uh, there are many advantages that uh, that that are practical in that regard, the pride of ownership is there, too. Uh, not everybody is going to enjoy cleaning an airplane, but a lot of us do. A lot of us like being around it. It, it. it feels good. It feels good that you brought up a great topic that you could talk about, This uh, just being at the airport uh, in a hangar. I mean, Yeah. Well, you know, like you
0: say, you're cleaning the airplane. I, I like cleaning the airplane. I like my airplane to look clean. And, and, you know, it sounds kind of silly, but to me it's kind of relaxing at, on some level, to go over to the hangar, get on a creeper, put on my safety goggles, mm-hmm. and get underneath the airplane and and clean off the oil residue. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't mind doing that occasionally. And uh, and and you know what happens nine times out of ten, especially if you got the hangar door open, somebody comes walking by yep. and you either you know strike up a conversation, you BS with them a little bit, maybe it's somebody you've never met, and that's fun. You know, you it can is. talk about the airplane and probably get a chance to walk over to their hangar and check their town.
1: And, and not the cleaning is why we own it, but that's uh, because then the, the bigger thing is to be able to go out and do what you want with it. Right. I think, it, you know, and if you want to take the airplane for a week somewhere, well, that's up to you. You can take it for a week. There is no, uh, for example, renting and clubs and, and to a degree, even a partnership, depending on the scenario of the partnership, there's a real obligation to get that airplane back for the next guy. And, right, and if you're the outright owner, you're the next guy.
0: You're the next guy. That's right. You're the one that left a messy, uh, uh, you know, food mess in there and, and didn't clean it up, and you're the one that didn't top off the tanks, and you're the one that didn't wipe the bugs off the windshield. And
1: uh, although I have to admit, in my RV8, one of the nicest things is, I don't. If I want to go out and fly it for a half hour, I don't have to go straight to the fuel pump. Right, and and go fill it up again that's because uh and that was i mentioned early on we talked about the partnership of the cherokee 180 and i I mentioned that we had to keep the tanks full so if i went out for just a short period of time for some reason a very short flight well i had to come back go to the fuel pumps fuel my aircraft up and then restart it taxi to the hangar and put it away and uh sometimes You've had a long day of flying, you're not just a short flight, but a long day of flying, and you're at the point where you just don't want to go fuel the aircraft. You want to be home. It's starting to rain. Right. Who you knows? So. That's exactly
0: right. Just put it in the hangar, be done with it, and I know that when I come back out there, maybe I've got a, some spare time, mm-hmm. and I can I can just clean it off And You know, I was just sitting here thinking about this, and um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, lift my wife up here a little bit. Uh, I've got, your spouse husband or wife, they, they've got to be in on this with you. Uh, it makes it really difficult if they're not. And I, we deal with airplane owners all the time. And a lot of times they're using them for business, so it's not that big of a deal. But if you, you know, if your significant other is not, uh, doesn't enjoy aviation, uh, really has no desire to go flying with you anywhere, uh, I think you're going to not get as much out of your ownership experience wouldn't you agree
1: as well i would uh, and i would also say though that that doesn't mean maybe your spouse does not care to fly like you may really you know you you may be so interested in aviation that you're willing to listen to us on a podcast talk about flying but your spouse is not into it at that level but as long as your spouse is supportive, understands your Aviation is your outlet, your interest, or whatever. Uh, I think it's a funny thing we all, as pilots, many of us anyway, really have such a strong sense of, of love of aviation that uh, you can't necessarily expect your spouse to have that, but your spouse can still be
0: supportive.
1: So, yeah, and
0: uh, and they may find over time, if they fly with you, that they want to maybe they want to pursue it a little bit more. Maybe exactly. they want to to do that, you know. Exactly. Uh, Wild Blue as a company is sponsoring a ground school uh, right now, and uh, we've got twelve folks that are involved in this on site. We really wanted to do something that you know brought people together, so this on site ground school. And it's interesting because we've got uh, we've got a father son that's doing it. We've got a a lady whose husband is a pilot, and she's wanting to get into that herself. Um, you know, we've got a couple of kids that uh, have kind of expressed some interest. Their dad is a friend of ours, and he flies professionally. Uh, my wife and daughter, they're taking it. Um, you know, we've got uh, some other folks in different stages of their life that a lot of it has rubbed off from somebody else. And so, you know, they may not be interested in it right now, but as long as, like you said, Todd, as long as they're supportive of you, uh, it, it will go a long way.
1: What, uh, so that's a challenge. What other challenges are in aircraft ownership that are unique to ownership more so than you would have to worry about if you were renting or in a club? I have some thoughts, but I'm curious yeah. what you have. Well, I'll tell you, I think the biggest one, and we see
0: this um, as not only people initially buying into an airplane, but when they get ready to sell it. And that is kind of, uh, I won't call it a budget, but as much as their, their financial wherewithal. And some of that has to do with their ability to pay for it, and some of it has to do with their willingness to pay for it. So we'll see a lot of folks that will get into an airplane, and they, uh, you know, they're stretching themselves. You know, and man, the buying of the airplane is the easy part. It's yeah. the ongoing expenses that you've really got to know ahead of time before you do that, because you might very well be uh, able to buy that airplane. But you may not be ready for the, you know, the ten to fifteen or twenty thousand dollars of, of annual expenses that that airplane may entail, and, and if you don't have the willingness, maybe you have the wherewithal, but maybe you don't have the willingness, and so now you know things start getting deferred, and then you get ready to sell it, and now all these things have got to be brought up to speed, or they're they're identified in a pre-purchase inspection, and and you don't understand why. Why that pre-purchase inspection is costing you so much money so uh, i think you got to have your head wrapped around
1: that and, and we have really seen that in our business haven't we yes uh, that, uh, that does happen people put it off and and at the end of the day if you're an aircraft owner you're uh, i mean if at all possible you're better off to maintain it to the best of your ability because it's just or recognize that the value of that aircraft is going to decrease or The expenses you're going to have to meet to get it sold are going to only increase over time. And and ownership provides other maintenance is just a huge one. And I was definitely, I was thinking of that as you said it too, it was a good discussion. And I would say too, you're also responsible for a lot of sidebar things that you don't even think about. Like uh, uh, if they're going to redo the taxiway in front of your hangar, what are you going to do? It's your problem. Now you're going to let your airplane sit in Tanger for six weeks untouched or you're going to have to come up with another plan on where to move it to. So Sounds uh,
0: like you might be intimately involved
1: uh, with that right I may now. I might be uh, somewhat <laughs> involved in that, and, and, and I, I should share the letter to understand why it was completely confusing. But anyway, uh, I will say that... Uh, it, there, the point of the ownership discussion is that you are responsible for uh, making sure it gets to its annual inspection on time, making sure that the, uh, a lot of the other aspects that you wouldn't have to think about otherwise are are taken care of. It all falls to you, but you know what? That's worth it in my in my mind if if it's possible to afford and, and we, uh, of course, love owners because that's a, a very close uh, to our life here in, in Wild Blue. But uh, one other, uh, and we should touch on it before we finish up, uh, maybe you can borrow an airplane. Chris, you got any friends that let me borrow yeah. an airplane? Can I borrow your <laughs> airplane since mine's blocked in a hangar right now?
0: Well, you are on my insurance, so uh, I got that. But, uh, you know, the borrowing is, is certainly a possibility. What's funny is when I was at KU, uh, after I graduated and started working, maintenance at the bank there which was just a fantastic uh bank or job between uh college and going to pilot sure. training is there was a guy over there i won't bring his name up uh but he super guy and he had a son he was a stockbroker he had a son that was going to the air force academy so he bought this old Cherokee 140 right and so i'm up there talking with him and you know this guy was kind of a happy-go-lucky guy, and he says, hey, Chris, you know, here I'm 22 years old, he says, hey, Chris, I got this 140 over here. You want to just go fly it? He gave <laughs> oh, wow. me the keys. You can't know? beat that. And so I flew, I didn't put a lot of time on it because I still couldn't afford the gas very much, but, you know, um, so that's that's one option if you got somebody that you trust, and that's the big thing, and you know that they're going to take care of the airplane the way you would take care of it, especially if you're not flying it very much. definitely a viable, viable way to go. Sure.
1: And, uh, it does entail some risk, though, and, and we could talk on this topic for hours, I think, yeah. of, of ownership versus partnership versus clubs versus uh, renting and borrowing. But uh, if you'd like to discuss with us, Chris or myself, Todd, or, or Mac here at Wild Blue, these topics or, or other aircraft topics or want to uh Ask us about an airplane that we have for sale. Check us out online, flywildblue.com, or give us a call, 816-479-2723. Chris, anything else today? Yeah, we...
0: that's, that's great. I mean, we can go down a lot of different uh, avenues on this, and we'd would, would love to. And uh, We're just trying to make this less about sales and more about just having fun and enjoying uh, enjoying being around general aviation. So thanks for listening. Thanks, folks. Have
1: a great day. Thanks
0: for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.